Welcome everyone to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. We can all use a little more simpler and easier in our lives today. Um, We are going to do the football and fights Friday. We are doing the football first because all hell has broken up. Uh, all hell is broken loose at the UFC weigh-ins. Um, as we are talking right now, the main event is still on Hamza Chimaev taking on Nate Diaz. Diaz made weight at 171 pounds. Uh, Chimaev did not. He has missed weight by seven and a half pounds. Um, as of right now, the UFC main event is in jeopardy. So we're going to do the football stuff first so that hopefully this UFC mess gets figured out by the time we get to previewing that show. So if you missed the show from last year, what we do is go through every game we give a pick per game, and this year going to be doing some DFS plays that I am interested in along with it. So, thank you very much for tuning in. This show, uh, never, never in doubt because of weight issues, uh, we always just power through those, but uh, we thank you so much for joining us today. All right, National Football League Week 1 is here. Started last night with the Buffalo Bills with a damn impressive performance against the, um, against the LA Rams. For Buffalo, the key in this game, obviously, was in the trenches. Um, On the defensive line, they did not let the Rams get anything going. And that is a major concern now for the Rams going into next week with uh, an offensive line that was very much exposed. And this Rams team could not get anything going offensively. Uh, They couldn't get anything going in the run game. They weren't able to push the ball downfield. Stafford had hands in his face and worse, defensive players in his face um, all game long. And it just, that... That is a big concern. Once again, Sean McVay struggling with the two-minute offense, but it didn't matter. Buffalo was dominant. That was a statement win. And we said going into this week, one of the storylines, week one, is that one of Buffalo and the Rams is going to be 1-0. I'm feeling a whole lot better about San Francisco as the AFC West, or sorry, the NFC West champion coming out of this one. And I am so much more concerned about my pick of the LA Chargers over Buffalo as a... Um, as the AFC champion and as the eventual Super Bowl champion after what we saw on Thursday night. So now let's get into the rest of the schedule. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets. I'm going Baltimore minus seven here. This one... uh, Feels pretty low, actually. I I just, I don't think this is the Jets' year. Uh, Joe Flacco is their quarterback, and they, they, they had a good draft, which is great, but... They're still a couple years away. Like They're a year away from being a year away, I think, with the Jets. And for Baltimore, they have Super Bowl aspirations. I think with Lamar Jackson doing the Aaron Judge betting on himself, I think with a much more talented running back room for a team that is run heavy, I think that is going to help out. So I like Baltimore here, minus seven. For our DFS play, I like Elijah Moore at 5,100. I think actually having Joe Flacco there is going to be good for him. I think he is, once again, the number one target. He came on a little bit toward the end of last season, and I think pretty good value there at 5,100. Cleveland against Carolina. This one is a pick'em. I'm going with the Panthers at minus 110. 
I think Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. I look at the weapons on offense. You have two elite running backs. I like the wide receiver room for Carolina a little bit more. Miles Garrett is a game wrecker on the defensive side, but I, I think Carolina actually has quite a few very good, very talented players on defense. I think Carolina is being slept on a little bit. I think they should be a bit more of a favorite here. I will gladly take them just at minus 110 just to win straight up. For DFS, if you want to go with a bit of a home run swing here, obviously, Christian McCaffrey wouldn't suck. Um, if you want to go with a home run swing here, I'm going Robbie Anderson at 4,800. If he connects on any kind of big play with Baker Mayfield's new and improved shoulder, then that is going to be a big win for you in DFS tournament plays. Indianapolis taking on the Houston Texans. The Colts are seven-point favorites. Give me that all day. I think the Colts are the toast of the town in the AFC South, and I think Houston is going to be competitive for the worst record in the National Football League. So once again, this one only being seven seems like just a, a little bit of um, caution being taken because of how sloppy things can be. We saw in week one, um, in the sorry, the, in game one, how sloppy that was with some of the interceptions that were made. So maybe they're banking on Houston just being able to keep things close. I think the Colts just kick their teeth in. Two DFS plays that I'm looking at, which is going to be a bit of a preview for our DFS card at the end of the program here. Uh, Damian Pierce at 4,800. And Michael Pittman at 5,500. I like both of those values quite a bit. I think Pittman with Matt Ryan is going to be like he is going to be the number one target in this offense. And I think there is a breakout coming for Michael Pittman in a DFS format, which is PPR. I think Pittman is a huge value here. And Damian Pierce, this is the last time you're going to be getting him at that cheap. I think he was a bit overvalued in fantasy football drafts, but in DFS, the algorithm hasn't caught on to him yet. I think 4,800 is an absolute steal. Uh, that, that price for Damian Pierce is what I'm going to base the entirety of all of my uh, tickets around. Jacksonville taking on Washington. The Jags are two and a half point underdogs. I will take that one all day. You guys know I'm a little bit higher on Jacksonville coming into the season against uh, Washington football team, the Commanders, who I just don't think are very good. I think the defense is overrated after they gave Tampa Bay a scare a couple of years ago in the postseason when the Buccaneers went on to win the Super Bowl. I think this offense is going to struggle mightily uh, with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. And I just, I think this is going to be one of those like, People are going to be talking about Washington. Um, sorry, people are going to be talking about Jacksonville as a team that might be for real um, out of week one. That's going to definitely be a highlight on a lot of people's overreaction Monday segments. For the DFS play, I like Trevor Lawrence at 5,600. The issue is there isn't an obvious target to, um, to, to kind of stack it with. I always like to do the stacks, but here I, I think... I think that value is good enough that you can just get better players throughout and not necessarily worry about the stacks there. New England taking on Miami. I got the Dolphins minus three and a half. I think the Dolphins are substantially better than the Patriots. I think this is going to be an ass kicking. I think that the Patriots are going to struggle immensely. I I don't see a lot of weapons on offense that scare you outside of the running backs. I think the defense is taking a major step back. And I think this is a really good opportunity for Tua and for Tyreek Hill and the rest of this offense to make that statement that we are here. We are legit. Let's get this thing going. I really like Miami minus three and a half. I like Miami's defense at uh, $2,600 in DFS as well. I don't think New England's going to be able to move the ball very well. There, there aren't going to be major turnovers there, but at $2,600, you're getting a very good value. New Orleans taking on Atlanta. The Saints are favored by five and a half points. I will certainly take New Orleans minus five and a half. Again, I just don't think Atlanta is very good. I think this defense is a little bit sketchy. I think Marcus Mariota 
We talked about him on one of our fantasy previews. Good player, bad team. I just don't like the fit with Mariota here. He's going to be interesting, and maybe he's going to play well enough to keep this one within a field goal, but I think New Orleans is going to show that any concerns about this offense without Sean Payton are at least going to be quieted for one week. For a DFS play, I do like Pitts. I think in a PPR format, he's going to have a lot of volume, and I think that's going to help him out um, at the tight end spot. Philadelphia taking on Detroit. This is another one that confused me a little bit. I think Philadelphia, again, we picked them to win the division. We like what they have on offense. We name them as one of the most talented teams in the league. You know who we didn't name as one of the most talented teams in the league? The Detroit Lions. I think Philadelphia kicks the crap out of Detroit. Again, to be perfectly honest with you, Detroit did a good job of keeping some games close last year, but this Philadelphia team is on another mission. So I think... I think that Philadelphia is going to be able to, to to win this one rather handily. I think Dallas Goddard could be a big part of that at plus forty five hundred or at sorry at forty five hundred dollars in DFS. That's a great value play there. That's that, that that's just good value for Goddard at tight end and again in an offense that um, I think is improved. Goddard is still going to get a lot of looks there. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati minus six and a half. It's a touch high, but I do like the Bengals in this spot. Um, Pittsburgh's defense, I I think is maybe going to be uh, a little exposed this year. I I think the offense, while the quarterback situation is better this year without Ben Roethlisberger, I think this team overachieved a year ago. And so you now have, um, it's a weird combination of, okay, maybe there's a bit of an improvement at the quarterback spot, but it's Mitch Trubisky, so really how much of an uh, improvement is it? Plus, there's going to be a bit of regression because this team just shouldn't have won some of the games that they did a season ago. So I, I, I think this is going to be a comeback down to earth for Pittsburgh. I think this is going to tell us a lot about Cincinnati's mindset coming into this year. I would expect a Joe Burrow-led football team with an improved offensive line to come out and just feed Pittsburgh their lunch. So I, I like Cincinnati here. I like their defense at, at $3,600 in DFS going up against Mitch Trubisky, that that's going to be a team I believe I'm going to target when it comes to DFS defenses moving forward. San Francisco taking on the Chicago Bears. It's a team who I have in the Super Bowl, taking on a team who I have um, a thought of maybe putting uh, a little bit of cash down on them being the worst team in the National Football League. So, feeling pretty confident about San Francisco minus seven. This is going to right away tell us a lot about Trey Lance. I think this is a good... Um, kind of test early on. Like, it's it's not a tough test, but it's one where if he doesn't pass this, then already you have concerns about where Trey Lance is. That This is a team that has uh, college football playoff aspirations taking on a Div 2 school. If, um, I think I've said, if Trey Lance doesn't do it here, then you get major concerns about Lance going forward the rest of the way. Um, one bright spot for Chicago could be Cole Komet at $3,700 in DFS. I think he has the option or the opportunity to be one of the top receiving targets for Chicago. What does that mean? Who knows? But I think Fields is all right, and I think he's going to be relying on his tight end quite a bit this season. One of the marquee matchups of the day, Green Bay taking on Minnesota. This one essentially a pick em. I will take the Vikings on the money line. Uh, they are plus one and a half, but um, I'll just take the the even odds here with Minnesota in a pick em. I like Justin Jefferson in TFS. This one we're not going for value. This one we are going for. This is one of the best wide receivers in the league and you can get him for under $8,000. Just do it. His volume is going to be there. 
I am so fascinated to see what Minnesota's offense is like this year. You know I'm not a big Kirk Cousins fan, but with a new offensive-minded head coach and more specifically the defensive mind of Zimmer getting the hell out of there, I think that's going to unlock a couple of things in this Minnesota offense. I think this could be a great showing here for Minnesota going up against the Green Bay team, who I just have way too many question marks about. Um... Obviously, no Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, what mindset is he in? I, I I am really interested to see what Green Bay does here in week one. Kansas City taking on Arizona. Once again, we have uh, Kingsbury as a coach who is on the hot seat. We have Arizona as a team that we are fading a lot this season. Kansas City is an interesting one. Again, they lost a lot of the weapons uh, in the same way that Green Bay did, where you lose your number one wide receiver, but it's Patrick Mahomes. I think the offensive line is improved. Um, the defense, eh, but I think Arizona has major issues right now. I think Kansas City takes advantage of that and makes a statement here in week one. If this is another one where Kansas City doesn't cover. Uh, I think we start to fade Kansas City against the money line here, or uh, against, sorry, against the point spread here for a little bit, just to, um, because this is a team that traditionally hasn't covered the last couple of years, and we're taking a bit of a gamble on this one, but I like Juju Smith-Schuster at uh, $5,200 in DFS. Chargers against the Raiders closed the show last year with a wild game. They open up the regular season this year. I like Chargers minus three and a half. I think the Chargers took a big step forward, kind of addressed the needs that they had. The Raiders improved their wide receiver room, still have issues on the offensive line, still have issues in the linebacking core, and still have issues in the secondary. I think this is going to be a bad matchup for them. Um, I like Austin Eckler at 8,200. Again, this isn't a value play. This is a talented running back against a team who I don't think can stop them. Um, they had issues with Joe Mixon last season. They had issues with Eckler and just top shelf running backs a season ago and did nothing to address that. So I, I like Eckler here at $8,200. The Giants taking on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee favorite by five and a half points. I will take those points with the Giants. Um, I just, I don't see Tennessee, and I get winning by six isn't really blowing teams out. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I don't see Tennessee being able to put up a lot of points this year, and I think their defense is going to be able to keep this mediocre Giants offense in it. Quite frankly, um, I think these are two average to below average football teams right now. There's more talent on the Tennessee side for sure, but I don't think they're six points worth. So give me the Giants to, to cover this one. And give me Robert Woods on the opposite side of it in, in DFS. He is the number one passing option now for the Tennessee Titans. And I, I think there's going to be at least a little bit of volume there as maybe they try to ease up the workload on Derrick Henry early on in the season. Sunday Night Football, Tampa Bay against Dallas, two teams who I have major questions about on the offensive line. So with that, we're going to take the under. It's our only total of the week um, at 50 and a half. I just, I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored. I, I think both of these offensive lines are going to struggle. And even if they don't, we saw on Thursday night, a very dynamic offensive performance against a mediocre offensive performance and we did not get to the total. So in this one, 50 and a half, you would love for it to get to that, that 51, 51 and a half, the key number of 51. Um, so you might be buying a point there uh, a little bit later on. Um, but overall, I like it. And I love the value of Rashad White. If you are looking for one of the big money plays this week, Rashad White, he is the pass catching running back for Tampa Bay at $4,000. I like that one. And then on Monday night, it is the Denver Broncos taking on the Seattle Seahawks. I do not understand how this line is at only six and a half. I think that if this was happening in week like seven, uh, Denver would be double digit favorites. Seattle's bad. Denver isn't. That's basically all you need to know. And I like Jerry Judy at 5,300. I think... I think he is the better of the receivers in Denver, and I think that is going to shine through as this season goes along. So our DFS lineup this week, again, 
we're not we're not doing the stack, which I feel a little bit icky about, but I just I love the value of Lawrence at quarterback at fifty six hundred dollars. With some of the money that we are saving there with him and one of the running back plays is Pierce again at 4800 I think he's going to really outplay that. Um, we are able to spend on a couple of big players, which are Eckler at 8200 and Jefferson at 7800 The rest of the card, you have Pittman at 55 I just, I think that is one of the plays of the week. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster at 52 Cole Komet at 37 uh, Robert Woods at 56 Not home run picks by any, or n- not sure things by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think Juju is going to have a big role in this Kansas City offense, um, and we've talked about the value that we think uh, is coming to Cole Komet in the next little bit, and Cincinnati's defense at $3,600. We will get to the rest of um, what our final picks are for the week and what we're really like focusing on when we get to today's ticket at the end of the program. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. You can also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, the story is still ongoing with UFC 279. Uh, Aaron Bronstetter on Twitter summing it up this way. Uh, Chimaev off by seven and a half pounds. The main event is in serious jeopardy. Aldana and Chason moved to catch weight of 140 pounds. Both women's featherweights needed the box to make 146 pounds. Five foot nine heavyweight Chris Barnett missed weight, and Hakeem Dawadu, the Calgary fighter, missed weight and won't cut further. So, um, a lot going on with UFC 279 getting ready for the uh, the podcast today. So, um, A, if I sound a little bit distracted, it's because we are scrolling our way through social media trying to figure out what is going on with this pay-per-view. Uh, but this is, you, you now know where we are at. I'm recording this at 11.57 a.m. on Friday uh, ahead of the fights here. So if any of this stuff changes over the next little while... Um, I will try to update this show as best I can. But um, yeah, Hamzat Chemayev will not be cutting any more weight. Um, that one doesn't necessarily surprise me. He's not going to cut seven pounds here in the next five minutes, which I believe is when the uh, weigh-ins kind of close out. So let's, um, I guess, let's just dive into these previews as, as best as we can here. <laughs> Getting ready for UFC 279 coming up at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, It is, yeah, T-Mobile Arena, big fight feel up until a little bit ago. Uh, Not going to run through every show or every fight on this show, just going to focus on a couple of them. One of our focuses is on the Fight Pass prelims as Consort Alberta's Chad and Helliger taking on Alatang Hailai out of China. And Helliger, 35 years old, as mentioned before, born in Consort, Alberta, training at Champions Creed MMA, comes into the octagon tonight with a 12 and 5, or tomorrow night, sorry, comes in with a record of 12 and 5, seven wins by knockout, three by submission. He has been submitted in all five of his losses, all of those losses coming early in his career as he won his 10th fight in a row back in February at an Ultimate Fight Night in his UFC day debut over Jesse Strader. Uh, So 10 fights in a row. That was his UFC debut after a win on Dana White's Contender Series. He is also an alumni of Hard Knocks Fighting, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, some people who had a good experience there, and Rumble in the Cage. For Highlight, he is 30 years old, born in Inner Mongolia, training at the UFC Performance Institute in Shanghai. 
high. He is 15-8 and eight in his career. Eight of those wins have come by way of stoppage with five by knockout and three by submission. He has been finished in half of his losses with three by knockout and one by submission. Last fighting on the UFC on ESPN in April of this year, a knockout win over Kevin Kroom. That was his first win since 2019. He is 3-1-1 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. He has also fought in 1 and Road FC and has been a pro since 2013. This one is close, um, and Helliger is a slight underdog at plus 145. I He, he is on quite a roll. And this is obviously, uh, I think, the biggest stage that he will be fighting on. This is the biggest fight of his career. I like uh, a bit of a sprinkle on Enheliger at plus 145. I, I think he's going to be able to get the job done. A little bit of bias there uh, with the Alberta boy. Uh, we don't know if this one is necessarily in jeopardy now, as Dawadu misses weight for this fight. But the 31-year-old, born in Calgary, standing at 5'8", training at Champions Creed MMA and Mike Miles kickboxing, a record of 13-2-1, seven wins by knockout, one by submission. His last victory coming by way of unanimous decision in one of his best performances of his career uh, back in February. Unanimous decision win over Michael Trezano. He has won six of his last seven. The last three of those have come by decision. He is 6-2 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship starting his career in WSOF, the World Series of Fighting, which no longer exists. Uh, for the opponent tonight, it is, or tomorrow night, it is Julian Arosa. Arosa, 33 years old, born in Seattle, Washington, standing at 6'1", 27-9 for the career, 11 wins by knockout, 12 by submission, uh, five losses by knockout. Last victory coming in the fight of the night on the fight night card that Dawadu won on back in February of 2022 against Steven Peterson. Back-to-back -back wins and has won five of his last six after getting let go by the UFC for a second time. Four and one in this run in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Five and five in the UFC. Overall, I think Dawadu has a clear striking advantage against almost anyone he faces at the featherweight division. There are, I, I do have a touch of concern um, about missing weight because I, I don't think extra size is going to benefit him. He, he is the shorter fighter in this bout. I, I think there is a bit more of a speed advantage that you would like there. So, um, the, we don't know what, what is causing the, the weight-cutting issues, if it is going to hold him up speed-wise at all. But um, I, I like Dawadu's skill set in this fight more than I like Arosa. Just one of those ones where there's more tools in the toolbox. Again, this might be the biggest stage of his career. He is a minus 220 favorite, hopefully able to get the job done in the octagon for the Calgary fighter. I'm going to pick Dawadu in this one. We go to the main card, and a couple of... Um, we, we talk about in fantasy football and fantasy sports post-hype sleepers. Uh, these two could be one of them. As Johnny Walker takes on Ion Kutelaba in the light heavyweight division, Walker, 30 years old, born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 6 foot 5, training at SBG Ireland. 18 and 7 for the career, 15 wins by knockout, 2 by submission, 4 knockout losses, and has been submitted one time. His last fight was his last loss back at Ultimate Fight Night in February of 2022, losing to Jamahal Hill in the first round by way of knockout. He's lost back-to-back -back fights and 4 of his last 5. The losses coming to Corey Anderson, Nikita Krylov, Tiago Santos, and Jamal, Jamahal Hill. Uh, this comes after winning nine in a row, which puts him at four and four in the UFC. Walker has finished every one of his UFC wins. His opponent, Kutelaba, 28 years old, born in Moldova, training at the MMA factory. He stands at six foot one, um, 16, seven, and one with one no contest, 12 knockouts, 
two submission wins. He's been knocked out twice and submitted three times. His last bout, a submission loss to Ryan Spann on the UFC on ESPN back in May of 2022. 2-4-1 in his last seven fights, has been stopped in all of his losses in that stretch, and is now 5-6-1 in the UFC. Kutelaba is one of those guys, when he is on his game, it looks like, okay, this is now the guy we wanted to, but he, we wanted to see that this is an extremely talented light heavyweight. He just hasn't been able to put it together. Johnny Walker, 15 of his 18 wins coming by walkout has or knockout, sorry, has dynamite in those hands. And he's losing to not the, the upper tier, um, but kind of the, the, the second tier of uh, fighters in the light heavyweight division with Anderson Krylov and Tiago Santos. And for Kutelaba, the, the, the losses just aren't of that same caliber, but I think he has, again, it's the more tools in the toolbox thing. So I, I I go back and forth on this one. I just don't think Kuntelaba is going to be able to put it together for the full 15 minutes. I think at some point Walker finds the, the, the fuse for the dynamite and lights it off. I think Walker gets the win. He has a plus 170 underdog right now. Um, I, I like Johnny Walker in that spot. This fight, um, I believe, according to what I read off from Bronze Center, has been now moved to a catchweight of 140 pounds which is not necessarily ideal, but I mean, it's better than just canceling the thing. Uh, it is Irene Aldana taking on Macy Chason in the women's bantamweight division. Aldana, 34 years old, sitting at five foot nine, born in Sinaloa, Mexico, training at Lobo Gym. She is 13 and six, with seven knockouts, three submission wins, and two knockout losses. Uh, her last fight is a TKO win over Yana Kunitskaya at UFC 264. Missed weight for that fight. Are we seeing a trend here? Um, has won three of her last four, only lost to Holly Holm. Has uh, the last three losses on her resume coming against Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington, and Caitlin Chukagian, all former title challengers, one of them a former champion. Um... Six and four in the UFC, started her UFC career with back-to-back -back losses after going four and one in Invicta Fighting Championship. For Chason, 31 years old, born in New Orleans, Louisiana at five foot nine, training at Fortis MMA, Mid-City MMA, and Triumph Krav Maga, which you don't see a lot of. Uh, eight and two, with two wins by knockout, two by submission, and has been stopped once in her career. That was a submission loss. Her most recent bout at UFC 274, a split decision win over Norma Dumont, has won three of her last four with the, uh, she has losses to Lena Landsberg and Raquel Pennington, missed weight against Pennington, moving back to Bantam weight after back-to-back -back fights at featherweight six and two in the ultimate fighting championship um this fight is moved to a catch weight of 140 pounds so both of them have missed weight before that has been an issue and now they're both moving back up to 140 uh, pounds for this bout so obviously a bit tricky to predict how um how the weight cutting issues are going to play out in this bout, I think Aldana is just a step above uh, Macy Chason. Admittedly, I've seen more of Aldana than I have had of Chason, but I think that th this is still a fighter who deserves to be kind of hanging around that second tier again in the women's bantamweight division. I think this is, has the potential to be a big fight for her, although, hey, maybe back to, to featherweight for both of these fighters once this fight is done, although th this is a weird one. 
Um, we'll see if there was something up with the, the scales of the hotel or what's going on, but this is a lot happening at this UFC fight card. Kevin Holland taking on Daniel Rodriguez in a 180-pound catchweight fight. That was agreed to beforehand. Holland, 29 years old, at six foot three, born in Riverside, California, training at Travis Luter BJJ, 23-7 and seven, with one no contest for his career. Most recently, coming up with a submission win over Tim Means at the UFC on ESPN in June of 2022. That was his third fight of 2022 has, or this, sorry, is his third fight of 2022. He has won two in a row, finishing both after a three-fight winless streak in 2021. This guy needs to start a year off right or else it goes downhill. He won five in 2020, which tied a UFC record, went 0-2 with one no contest in 2021, and is 2-0 so far in 2022. 10-4 in the UFC after a win on Dana White's Contender Series has also fought in Bellator King of the Cage and LFA. Rodriguez is 35 years old, training or born in California, training at Syndicate MMA and standing at six feet tall. 16 and two with eight wins by knockout, four by submission. Both of his losses have required the judges' scorecards. His last bout coming all the way in August um, of 2021, so over a year ago, it was a unanimous decision win over Kevin Lee. Three-fight win streak, two by decision, has won 12 of his last 13, six and one in the UFC. It feels like there was a lot of momentum building. This feels like a very interesting bout for both of these fighters. Um, Holland a bit more of the up-and-comer at 29 than Rodriguez 35, but Rodriguez certainly on an incredible run here at, um, again, 12-1 and in his last 13 bouts. This is a fighter who is really coming on strong. I think Holland kind of puts a stop to that in this bout, though. I I just, I like the skill set of Kevin Holland. I think he comes away with the win. That brings us to the co-main event of the evening, The Leech. Li Jingliang taking on Tony Ferguson. Li, who just bought a new suit, couldn't show it at the UFC press conference because that got canceled yesterday, which, holy crap. Uh, 34 years old, 6 feet tall, 71 and a half inch reach advantage, born in China, trains at the China top team. 19 and 7 with 7 wins by knockout, 5 by submission, uh, 1 submission loss, and 4 decision losses on his resume. His last bout coming at UFC on ABC um, Ortega versus Rodriguez, a second round win over Muslim Sak- Salikov, sorry, uh, two and two after a three fight winning streak. He is 11-5 in the UFC with eight stoppages, all but one in the first round. The loss to Chimaev was the first time he had been finished since 2015. A BJJ black belt. He is a former legend FC welterweight champion, won it in his last pre-UFC bout. He is a pro since 2000. Seven. Tony Ferguson is 38 years old with a 76 and a half inch reach advantage, standing at six feet tall. He is 25 and seven for the career, with 12 wins by knockout, um, eight by submission. He has been knocked out twice and submitted once. One of his knockout losses came in his last bout against Michael Chandler at UFC 274. Fourth straight loss after a 12-fight winning streak. He is now 15-5 in the UFC, a run that saw him win the Ultimate Fighter and saw him also claim the Interim Lightweight Championship. He moves back to welterweight coming up tomorrow for the first time since 2011 when he won Tough 13. He is a black belt at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and is a pro since 2008. Obviously a legendary resume for Tony Ferguson, but he has been falling off the last little bit. This has showcased for the leech written all over it. It was a tough night against Hamzat Chimaev. He has come back. He is a well-rounded fighter. Um, the, the the thing that has me a little bit concerned about pulling the trigger a little bit on Lee is the fight against Neil Magny back at UFC 248. He had trouble with Magny's reach and he wasn't able to keep Magny down. 
the really the only offense he was able to, to utilize was grappling, and he had little success doing that. Lee wasn't ineffective, but Magny was a class above. All those issues, the reach, um, the, the takedown defense, Ferguson can provide those. Can he do it at 38 years old, though? The answer to that question, in my opinion, is no. I think that this is a bit more of a washed version of Tony Ferguson. I think he is going to have some struggles in this fight. I think Lee is going to be able to put up a dominant performance. I actually have Lee to finish at plus 105. I don't think he's going to just be able to just, like, piece up Ferguson and knock him straight out. I think this is going to be an accumulation of ground strikes that leads to a referee saving the day. So I like Lee by knockout. And the main event... For now, in the welterweight division-ish is Kamzat Chemaev taking on Nate Diaz. Chemaev, um, again, uh, as we are recording this, th- this is the main event, but he weighed in 7.5 pounds over the required 171 pounds. Nate Diaz hit that mark right on the nose. And again, quickly and frantically sh- uh, scrolling through Twitter, I am not seeing that this fight has been called off at this point. He says, dragging his words very slowly to see if anything has changed. Um, it does not appear that it has. So, um, yeah, Hamzat taking on Nate Diaz, 28 years old, born in Russia, six foot two, 170 pounds, training at All Star Training Center, 11 and 0 for his career. His uh, lone defeat coming at the hands of the weight scale earlier today. Uh, six wins by knockout, four by submission. Uh, his lone decision win coming up against Gilbert Burns at UFC 273. That is the first decision win of his career. Also, the first UFC title challenger that he has faced. He broke the UFC record for the quickest turnaround between UFC. UFC wins in the modern era. Obviously, there were tournament fights, so the quickest turnaround for a win was probably a few minutes. But um, since we've stopped doing that, um, he fought on 10 days notice in 2021, both of them. He is 5-0 in the UFC. This is the interesting one, playing into what is going down today. This fight is at welterweight. He is fighting, I think, to become uh, the number one or number two contender in the welterweight division. He has but six fights at welterweight. Um... Four or five, uh, four of his fights have come at middleweight, and another one of his fights was considered a catchweight bout. So, this is not just your natural 170-pounder. That was the edge I thought he had coming into this fight. He has a distinct size advantage over Diaz, who is moving up um, from 155 pounds for this bout. Diaz, 37 years old, born in Stockton, California. You know by now, he trains at Caesar Great Sea Jiu-Jitsu. 20 and 13 for Diaz, five wins by knockout, 11 by submission, two knockout losses, one submission loss. His last fight coming uh, back in June of 2021, a unanimous decision loss to Leon Edwards at UFC 263. That was his first fight since 2019. He has only fought three times since losing to Conor McGregor in 2016. He's lost three of his last four. He's now four and six at welterweight. The tough five winner has been a pro since 2004, where he made his debut at WEC 12. He has also fought in Strikeforce. He has been in the Ultimate Fighting Championship since 2007. That is, what, 15 years ago? The man has made $4 million fighting in the Ultimate Proving Ground, hence why he's had a bit of an issue with the company. Um, that That is, I think, a larger piece to the Nate Diaz um, legacy. It's not necessarily, who did he fight? Who did he beat? Because there, there are those. There, there are major wins on the resume for Nate Diaz. There are major losses on the resume for Nate Diaz. But 
um, Morning Combat did a pretty good job of breaking all of this down um, a couple of days ago. You look at what was probably one of the biggest stretches of Nate Diaz's career, um, 2012 to 2015. Fights Benson Henderson for a championship on national television, $50,000. After that, faces Josh Thompson, Fifteen one five thousand dollars fights Gray Maynard thirty thousand dollars Rafael Dos Anjos sixteen thousand dollars Michael Johnson forty thousand dollars. So while um certainly I would take fifty thousand dollars for a night's work, I'm not doing anything on national TV at an elite level, and I don't have an entire camp to pay, and I'm not only working three to five times a year. Obviously, there's a lot of work that goes into those fights. Um. It is just so clear that UFC fighters need to be paid more, and Nate Diaz is the prime example of that. So when he got his $2 million for fighting Conor McGregor the second time, I do not blame him for telling the Ultimate Fighting Championship where they could stick the rest of those fight contracts. This is certainly has a feel of Diaz's last dance, um, brought in to put over the younger challenger, which has happened a lot in his career. He was brought in to face a number of fighters in their hometown, and a number of young up-and-coming fighters to make their name off of Nate Diaz, Will Hamza be the one to do that tonight. Um, this should have been a star-making night for Hamza Chemaev. He does feel like the next big thing in this sport, but this is a major issue. This is the biggest stage he has fought on. Um, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders when the, the scale tipped in at 178.5 pounds. I have major concerns about this. I did before this uh, click on Hamzat by KO slash TKO at minus 155. If we are just looking at this fight, ignoring what has happened over the last hour, this is a major win for Hamzat Shemaev. Diaz has always had trouble with bigger, stronger welterweights. His advantage has been when he can stay at a distance and use the, the Stockton slap to piece his fighters up. If the fight goes to the ground, he always has the grappling edge. If this was just a straight jujitsu fight, maybe he has that over Hamzad, but you look at how dominant he was over Lee in their bout um, about a year ago, that was so technical and so powerful. He mixes it so well. I just see him being able to bully Nate Diaz for five rounds if... Um, and apparently there's a medical issue that has caused the, this weight cut problem, uh, according to Ariel Hawani. If he is 100%, this should be a win for Hamzat. We will see how this plays out over the next few hours as this goes along. But right now, I'm going with Hamzat. So, we have a lot to get to with uh, today's ticket. We are bringing that back for the show today. Let's start with the UFC because we just broke it all down. I, as of right now, if this fight goes on, I have to assume Kamzad is going to be fine. I think he is someone who would benefit from not cutting a whole bunch of weight. Um, because I, I think his edge is being the bigger fighter over Nate Diaz. I am going to stick with Hamzat by TKO or KO at minus 155. I am going to go uh, Johnny Walker at plus 170. Lee to finish at plus 105. And we'll sprinkle a little bit on the Alberta boys with Anheliger and Dawadu just to win. Um, so that is the ticket for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Other plays that we have on the go today, we talked about the NFL. We have a four-team teaser ticket with Baltimore, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and San Francisco all getting teased down into the 0.5 or 1-point range. We have uh, another ticket with Jacksonville plus 2.5, Miami minus 3.5, New Orleans minus 5.5, and, and Philadelphia minus 4.5. Half. Maybe a few too many favorites, maybe a few too average teams, but we like that one. Um, and then just a quick one here, just for full disclosure, I guess, or to drag the show out a little bit longer. <laughs> um, 
Baseball plays tonight. I got the Giants over the Cubs. I think Rondon. Uh, Rondon against Smiley is an, an intriguing pitching matchup. I have both these guys in fantasy. Rondon is just so good. I think he's going to be able to dominate uh, a so-so Chicago lineup. I think that one probably goes under as well, but I, I like Rondon to, to win this one. I got Philadelphia minus one and a half against Washington. They're just such a better baseball team right now. Uh, Tampa Bay over New York. I get Montas pitched very well recently. I think Rasmussen is a better pitcher, and I, I don't believe that Montas can do it two in a row, and I don't think just Judge alone is going to be able to drag the Yankees to another series win over the Rays. Uh, Cleveland over Minnesota. This is a Dylan Bundy fade, and Houston over the LA Angels because Lance McCullers is very good, and the Angels aren't. So, that is the show. Uh, thank you so much to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. I'm in Saskatchewan right now, so uh, there will be no Twitch after the UFC pay-per-view coming up tomorrow night, but I'm hoping to have some kind of reaction show next week. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the football, enjoy the fights, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm out.